today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about what's happening on this side of the border right now. I want to talk about what's happening uh, with our elections and with the new government. Now, we know, of course, that the Liberals have another minority government. Uh, we know that when there is a minority government, that uh, there has to be some reliance on one or two of the opposition parties to get bills passed and to keep the government alive, certainly. And the speculation is rampant right now that uh, maybe the Liberals and the NDP uh, should be talking, let's make a deal. Uh, there was an example here in Ontario, we know well about this, some years ago, uh, when Liberal leader David Peterson and NDP leader Bob Ray at that time actually did strike a deal and said, look, it, as long as you guys follow through on this agenda, we will support you for a period of years. And it seemed to work beneficially for both of them. Uh, is that the sort of thing that's going on? Is it even viable? Well, Jack Meet Singh was asked about that, and uh, he is signaling a tougher approach to cooperation with the minority liberal government. Uh, he says this caucus is prepared to what he called withhold votes if Prime Minister Trudeau presses ahead with some of the issues that they don't want to support. We have not outlined any red lines at this point, so I can say there's not anything that we've outlined yet. And in terms of... Um, withholding votes. Uh, we want to do what's in the interest of Canadians. We're going to fight for Canadians every step of the way. So is there going to be an example of let's play a deal and let's make a deal here? I want to bring John Wright into the conversation, Executive Vice President of uh, My Republic Opinion, uh, who's been watching uh, politics on Special Empowerment Hill for quite some years. Uh, John, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us again today. Great to be with you, Bill. Let's talk a little bit about that and, and about the, uh, the ramifications of this. Uh, the government needs do you need support from either the NDP or the bloc or a combination thereof uh, to make something like this happen? Uh, is the chemistry right between these two leaders and those these two parties for some sort of a deal, or is a deal even necessary? No, the deal is necessary behind the scenes at least, um, that they are going to be supported by the NDP to form a government. I mean, Justin Trudeau needs to have that in order to show the governor general that he's got enough support for um, a government alone. So that's going to happen. It won't come at anything other than a price. We don't know exactly what that is, but I would say Bill, that it's congruent between the two parties in terms of what they want to achieve in the next 18 to 22 months. And so I don't think it'd be hard striking a deal. The question is whether or not it's formalized in some kind of a, of a name. Um, you know, in the past, words like accord and coalition can either work for you or they they don't. And we've seen governments or opposition leaders get punished very badly for it. Or we see them rewarded. So right now, I'm not really sure that it you know matters that they are in an accord other than that word could cause um, some kind of backlash. But I don't think there's any difficulty in the liberals in the uh, NDP in striking a deal at all. But to avoid the, the drama of, oh, I wonder if this is going to pass. I wonder if this is going to get... Uh, back in that day, uh, 85 deal that, uh, that Bob Ray and David Peterson struck, I'm, I'm sure you saw the court, John, where Bob Ray justified it, saying this is going to avoid the day-to-day blackmail BS. Well, he didn't use BS. He, he actually used the word of minority government. And I can kind of see his point, because we saw that happen uh, in the in the last Trudeau minority government, where is this going to pass? Are the NDP going to support this? Is the bloc going to support this? If there were a deal in place, such as it is, uh, at least you'd say, well, it, this is pretty much along the lines of what these guys agreed to, so you know it's going to pass. It's it's a minority government in 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 name only because you know that, that the votes are going to be there. Is that even necessary these days? Well, I can't believe that anybody would do something like that just to take the drama out of the House of Commons. If anything, that drama works well. It shows people down. It 
it causes those votes to be considered rather carefully. So it may be that there's a bunch of people out there that want calm and predictability, but I don't think that that's necessarily something that you are going to be able to etch in stone. Um, and, and you know what? We look to the last uh, parliament that was leveraged. There were uh, compromises made. There were votes that were either put to the test or they were, um, uh, you know, they were missed, but only a couple of them could be considered votes of confidence where the government needs to have that support other than or it falls. So again, I come back to this and say that as soon as you form some kind of written accord between two parties, then the Conservatives and the Bloc or anybody else, the media could call it a coalition, which it is not in word, but would be, um, you know, something that would be foisted upon them for for doing so. But a coalition government means that you have people who sit in each other, you know, you have a cabinet minister from um, the other party that you actually jointly run mm-hmm. the government. I don't think anybody's open to that right now. Uh, I'd be very surprised. I mean, you know, anybody that saw the old Churchill movie, you know, Darkest Hour, understand. Sure. They, Churchill yeah. did that, of course. But that was wartime. That was a whole different situation. Uh, I, I don't see that happening, although you can make an argument that COVID is a crisis. But uh, the party that's in power is the party that's in power. It doesn't. And if they were to do this, John, doesn't it really kind of take the wind out of the sails? I mean, that's the job of government to sell this idea, whatever it might be, not just to the opposition parties, but to the Canadian public. I mean, that's it's hard work. Yeah. But that's what we paid them for. Again, you know, we may look at this a month from now and feel differently about it. Um, But my sense is that they're great dance partners. I mean, the liberals have gone so far left on their agenda that they could actually be NDPers in, you know, in in practice as opposed to just name. And so I don't think there's a a whole lot there. I mean, you look at the, the liberal focus on taxing the banks or on climate change or you know, affordability, which may become even more of a, of a mantra for them. I don't think there's much light between them on a good number of issues where they can't get together. And I think Jagmeet Singh will want to, you know, hold that out and get some deals made so that, you know, things can move forward. But signing an accord, having some kind of a, a, a something that actually holds them to a certain agenda. We've seen that in opposition parties where they've done it, they've been punished. We've seen it in um, governments who have done it, and and it's the leader of the government that tends to reap the whirlwind of whatever has come of that, so not necessarily the partner they've brought to the table. So again, I would be surprised if there is something official between them, but I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody sat in a room like the, the chief whips or the government house leaders together and said, look, you know, we're going to move forward with a legislative uh, agenda for the fall. Um, we're going to have a throne speech. These are the sort of things we're thinking about. What do you think? And have that kind of negotiation back and forth so that at least they go into the House, they know what they're going to be doing over the next number of months. But that doesn't mean that they have to say we've made a deal. And I I don't think the leaders are going to want to say that. You're right. And history shows that and bears that out, I think, too. Go back to that 85 deal mm-hmm. between Bob Ray and David Peterson. Uh, you're right. They did accomplish a fair number of things, housing, education uh, uh, initiatives and things. And they rewarded David Peterson. He got a majority government out of that as a result, which only lasted the one term. 
sure, and then the NDP got in after that. Uh, but we already saw, I mean, you know, the, the, the party, political parties here show their colors anyway, though, don't they, John? Uh, let's face it, I mean, as you say, because of the similarities, uh, you know, you want to talk about daycare, well, of course the NDP are going to be on the page with the Liberals about that. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to talk about a national pharma care program, and I'm sure that's going to come up. Uh, there's some some congruity there, too. Uh, I, I guess the big debate that the NDP and the Liberals are going to have about a lot of these promises is about how much, not about whether or not to do it. And and conversely, you know, when the Liberals come out and support the the Line 9 pipeline, 5 pipeline going through, the, the NDP are going to be opposed to that because they're opposed to pipelines. So we already know. I mean, it's not as if we're going to get any surprises here from either one of those parties, are we? Correct. And and I don't think there's anything here that suggests that the Liberals are going to be uh, of a mind to spend less. I mean, I haven't seen anything since they have first arrived on the scene. In fact, a good number of them used to be in the former Kathleen Wynne government in the province of Ontario, where, you know, sparking a deficit was never a problem. I mean, Justin Trudeau came in in day one and said, look, we're going to run small deficits, but started running big deficits. And then through COVID just opened it up and cash flows everywhere. And you could say, well, that's because of COVID. Well, no, no. I mean, you can be even prudent uh, about that. But we're now talking about even more um, that could be spent. So I don't think that's a, a speed break for them whatsoever. I think there's enough together that they could sit down, as I said, between the House leaders and for that throne speech to be crafted and say, you know, there's about five out of the 15 things that we could look at. What are those five things that we can agree upon? And yes, we'll get into some tussles, but what are those things we can go forward? And I think you just named a whole bunch of things that the Liberals would go, yeah, we can spend on that. I don't think there's a problem there whatsoever. I, I, I do think, however, that if you look at the length of the parliament, which could be about three weeks, there's not going to be much accomplished. They're going to break um, for the Christmas. They will head back probably in the spring. Uh, I mean, we do have a cabinet shuffle and those ministers will use that as an excuse to get ready for their portfolios. Then we'll have it followed up with that budget, which in fact says this is what we're going to do. So I think it's going to be probably from about, you know, the end of January to the beginning of May that most of this work gets into the House of Commons. So we've got a while to go yet. But again, I don't think there's a necessary element here that says we're going to you know, form some written accord, uh, you know, with some signed document between each other. It also gives the chance for both leaders to say, look, we haven't got a deal. I mean, that that's political talk for we've got an understanding, but we don't have a deal. And I think that's probably more of what you're going to have. Is there a more of a chance, John, if there was no deal, as you say, something that's carved in stone uh, for other parties, for instance, the bloc, uh, to come on side with some of these issues? There, there might be a reticence to say, well, you guys, that, that's, that's you know, the team coalition. You know, we, forget about it. Uh, but, I mean, there have been times where, where the bloc have, have sided on some of these government issues when it comes to CERB payments and a couple of other things, daycare program, although they, they have their own twist on it in, in Quebec, uh, that would actually encourage more support for a government policy. Is, absent of that written deal between two parties. No, absolutely. And what, what are we facing in province of Quebec? A provincial election. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and the, the calibration of Justin Trudeau to do the deal on daycare, specifically to do it in the province of Quebec to begin with and then to move out from there and then to, you know, make some deals, which in fact will be helpful. I mean, the, the premier of Quebec's pretty wily guy. He sided with, um, Aaron O'Toole um, in the election campaign in order to deal with the Bloc Québécois. I mean, it was it was a 
it was a very calculated move because he didn't want the bloc to gain a lot of uh, seats. He wanted to hold them back. But on the other hand, Justin Trudeau needs uh, the support of a very popular premier in the province of Quebec. I Look, I, I think that we're going to have a very progressive, and I mean that in the political sense, agenda. We're going to have a high spending agenda moving forward. We're going to have um, the two parties, the NDP and the Liberals, prop um, the government up so that they can move forward. And I think we may end up having this as more of what's going to be in the future. I mean, the real debate here is, you know, you, you, you have effectively 70% of the people who have not voted for the governing party, the, the leading governing party. Is this kind of what we're going to have going forward? Because now we have the People's Party of Canada. We've got splits in every region. Um, we've got, you know, people going in those directions, whereas the old days under Jean Chrétien, you and I will remember, he used to get 37 or 38 percent, and that would govern the majority. I don't see anything on the horizon at the moment that's going to suggest that. And the more that the Liberals bank in with the NDP, I don't see it as well. So if I were Justin Trudeau, I might say, look, governing from from the left of center with the NDP in a minority is almost as good as governing with a majority, you just don't have the hassles and you can proceed and at least you can wait until a non-confidence motion. So I don't even think there's a sense of urgency in dealing with this. I think the government's just going to, you know, bunk in with these with this other party and get some behind the scene deals done and just move ahead. You talked about pushback on some of this stuff, though. If they were mm -hmm. to do this and side consistently with the Trudeau's party, rather, on, on this sort of thing, uh, does that reflect badly on Jagmeet Singh with the Canadian public? Not necessarily with NDP, although he's got his own problems in some of the inner circles within his own party mm -hmm. there. But do they look at that and say, well, look, he's just a lapdog for the government? Well, he kind of was in the last session of Parliament, although he did stand up for two or three things and make it known that he was going to have a deal. And again, that is the whole point of not having an accord that you can show that you're independent, show that you can push back. I mean, the other thing that the NDP really have to concentration have to concentrate on is not necessarily their policies. They spent $25 million in the last campaign flying the leader from place to place and having all kinds of great media coverage, but ended up exactly where they uh, started out from in terms of seats. And I think that was incredibly crushing for the senior people in the party where they didn't put their money into was in the grassroots. There was no infrastructure. There were no, <clears throat> excuse me, um, candidates of any stature in some of the key places they needed to win. So they had to plow that back into the infrastructure of the party, the grassroots to, <clears throat> excuse me again, to move forward. I, I just think that, you know, they, they want to do what they can so that to mimic almost what they had in the last uh, House of Parliament, but to start diverting resources into those elements down on the ground where they can be stronger and have better candidates and have more turnout opportunities in ridings in order to pick up seats. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I mean, you have great theater in Parliament. You can have lots of time and independent policies. But if you can't turn out those votes down on the bottom line, you got nothing at the end of the day except what you have now. Uh, which is exactly where they are. Well, the curtain goes up November 22nd, but as uh, John just mentioned, uh, probably not a whole lot going on between now and the Christmas break. Uh, but we'll certainly be watching. John, always a pleasure. Thanks for this today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Okay, John Wright, Executive Vice President of Mayor of Public Opinion, uh, joining us to talk about uh, what we may see when Parliament does resume in a few weeks. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.